Every person has a worldview. But what is a worldview and why is it important to understand one's worldview? And what is the Christian worldview and what makes that so important? Let's get real and talk about these questions on the Let's Get Real podcast. And you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, The opening questions of our podcast today were pertaining to a worldview. And, you know, everybody has a worldview. No matter who you are, you you have a worldview that answers four basic questions, which I'll talk about this. I'm going to take about two shows in order to be able to do this. And what I'm going to do in this first one is I'm just going to basically lay it out for us as far as what a worldview is and also just share with you some thoughts with regards to what the Christian worldview is all about. Now, when this whole thing on worldview came out, it was really about like in the 70s, back when uh, I was a teenager. I'm dating myself here. And you know, when you have this whole concept of a worldview, you know, there's usually four basic questions, five um, questions usually some people go and put it. I know the folks, the good folks at Summit Ministries has a, uh, uh, five, five questions. One of them is origin. Where do I come from? Meaning, why am I here? Morality, you know, what is the, where does right and wrong come from in destiny? What happens to a person after they die? And then now with everything going on with all the issues in our culture today with all the gender bending and everything that's happening, you know, who am I? Is the question of being. So, Origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and being are those questions that every worldview answers. And you know, when you look at the statistics that have happened over the years, you notice that uh, many people today, when you ask questions about this, those questions, if you were to walk up to somebody and say, hey, where did life come from? Do you believe God exists? How do you find meaning and purpose in life? A, A lot of Christians today really do not have a biblical worldview. And what I mean by that, the folks at the Barna Institute and James Sire, who wrote a great book called The Universe Next Door, basically said the same thing at the time that Dr. Sire wrote the book, that only about 10% of Americans at that time only hold a distinctly biblical worldview, even though 46% or nearly 100 million adults in the United States claim to lead a Christian life. There were surveys that were put out by the American Culture and Faith Institute that said back then seven out of ten Christians, I mean, sorry, seven out of ten Americans called themselves Christians, but relatively few were able to answer the questions about the Bible and basic Christian beliefs. And I'm sorry to say that. I bet you those numbers are probably a little bit lower. You know, when you go and you look at the research that has been collected, information about attitudes and behaviors that are related to practical matters like lying, cheating, stealing, pornography, the nature of God, and the consequences of unresolved sin. You know, this is these things were brought forth by the Barna Institute when you deal with the whole issue of those questions and how many people are able to answer questions from a biblical worldview based on those categories. Now, that is what makes the discrepancy between the percentage of people who consider themselves to be Christian more than, at that time, 7 out of every 10, and those who have a biblical worldview, just 1 out of every 10, And and folks, you know, this is alarming. This is very alarming that many Christians today do not hold a biblical worldview. And this is very disturbing because, you know, 
when you look at our world today and you see some of the things that Christians today are jumping on board with that are tied in, say, with things like cultural Marxism, uh, different political ideologies because they don't like a particular candidate instead of holding to convictions about the platform. Again, the American Culture and Faith Institute, uh, the researchers provided uh, an interview uh, survey that uh, interviewed 6,000 peoples, and they were from three groups, the general public, the theologically conservative Protestant ministers, and what they call the spiritually active, uh, spiritually active government, governance engaged conservative Christians, which they have been tracking since, say, like 2013 or so. And the questionnaire included 20 Christianity 101 questions about the basic spiritual beliefs and 20 other uh, assessing behavior. The researchers then reviewed respondents' answers to 40 questions in relation to biblical content and the number of biblically consistent answers that was tallied from each respondent. And folks, only 4% of the young people ages 18 to 29 scored 80% or better qualifying as integrated disciples by researchers. The term integrated disciple aims to identify where mere stated religious beliefs, beliefs inform one's lifestyle, hence the survey's doctrinal and behavioral questions. And in developing this tool, uh, they discovered somebody makes a claim to believe something but if their believer does not reflect those beliefs, then it's doubtful that they really believe what they claim that they believe. And, of course, Jesus taught his disciples that the right beliefs are good, but the measure where you stand is, he labeled, the fruit of the person's life, referring to the product applying to one's convictions. As a result... The measurement process that was created with the intention of blending both core beliefs and the core behaviors estimated the biblical consistency of somebody's worldview, or, you know, a Christian worldview. And any time you attempt to measure a person's worldview or spiritual standing, you have to tread carefully, really, really carefully. And of course, I recognize that this research provides only an estimate, and I think that's very important and not absolute. And that's because only God knows who is a Christian and who is not. Only he knows who has a biblical worldview and who doesn't. God alone knows what is in the mind and heart of each person. Very few people have anything approaching an articulate philosophy at least as epitomized by the great philosophers today. Even fewer, I suspect, have a carefully constructed theology, but everyone has a worldview. And whenever any of us thinks about anything, from a casual thought like, where did I leave my watch, to a profound thought like, who am I, we are operating within a worldview framework. In fact, it is the only assumption of a worldview, however, basic and simple, that allows you and I to think at all. So what then is this thing called a worldview, and why is it so important to all of us? 
Well, some people might say, well, you know, I've never heard of worldview or, you know, it's just a buzzword, to, you know, that has been around for a little while. Nobody's really explained it. Well, I'm glad you're listening to us today. How could anybody have a worldview? Is it like having a disease or something like that? No, it's not. Um, that may be well the well response of many people today. One is reminded of N. Jourdain and Jean-Baptiste Moliere's bourgeois gentleman who suddenly discovered that he had been thinking prose for 40 years without knowing it. But to discover one's own worldview is much more valuable. In fact, it is a significant step toward awareness, self-knowledge, and self-understanding. So what is a worldview? Well, let me explain what a worldview is, and it's essentially this. A worldview, according to James Sire in his book, page 7 of The Universe Next Door, he says a worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed as a story or a set of presuppositions, assumptions that may be true, partially true, or totally false, and that we hold consciously, subconsciously, consistently, or inconsistently, about the nature, the basic constitution of reality, and that provides the foundation in which you and I live and move and have our being. Isn't that a profound statement? Isn't that a profound statement? You know, folks, this is a succinct, a succinct definition that we need to unpack. And this is what we're going to do today. Each phrase represents specific characteristics that deserves a more elaborate content. So let's talk about first a worldview as a commitment. The essence of a worldview lies deep in the inner recesses of the human self, and a worldview involves the mind, but it is, first of all, a commitment, a matter of the soul. It is a spiritual orientation more than it is matter of mind alone. Worldviews are indeed a matter of the heart, and this notion would be easier to grasp if, if, if the word heart bore today's world and, and world the weight that it bears in scripture you know a lot of people say that the heart is just the organ beaten in your chest but really it, it bears more than that the biblical concept includes notions of wisdom in proverbs 2:10, emotion in exodus 4:14 and john 14:1, the desire and the will of the person in first chronicles 118 spirituality in acts 8 and 21 and intellect in romans 1 21 in short, and in biblical terms, the heart is the central defining element of the human person. A worldview, therefore, is situated in the self of the individual, the central operating chamber of every human being, and it is from this heart that all one's thoughts and actions proceed. Now, the next phrase in Cyrus was expressed in a story or a set of presuppositions. A worldview is not a story or a set of presuppositions, but it can be expressed in these terms. When I reflect on where I and the whole, world, whole of human race have come from, or where my life or humanity itself is headed, my worldview is being expressed as a story. One story told by science begins with a big bang and proceeds through the evolution of the cosmos formation of the galaxies, stars, and planets, and the appearance of life on Earth and on its disappearance as the universe runs down. Well, Christians tell the story 
of the creation, fall, redemption, glorification, a story in which Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection are the very centerpiece of the biblical worldview. Christians see their lives and the lives of others as tiny chapters of that master's story. The meaning of those little stories cannot be divorced from the master story, and some of this meaning is propositional. When, for example, I ask myself, what am I really assuming about God, about humans, and about the universe? The rest is a set of presuppositions that I can express in a propositional form. When they are expressed that way, they answer a series of basic questions about the nature and fundamental reality. I will list and, ex and examine these questions in a little bit, but consider first the nature of those assumptions. Assumptions may be true, conscious, consistent. Presuppositions that express one's commitments may be true, partially true, or, or totally false. There is, of course, a way things are, but we are often mistaken about the way things are. In other words, reality is not an endless plastic. A chair remains a chair, whether we recognize it as a chair or not. Either there is an infinitely personal God or there is not. People disagree on what is true. Some assume one thing, others assume another. Another thought to this is sometimes we are aware of our commitments and we're aware of what those commitments are and, and sometimes we're not. Most people, I suspect, do not ground conscious, consciously thinking of people are as organic machines, yet those who do not believe in any sort of God actually assume, consciously or not, that that is what they are. Or they assume that they do not have some sort of immaterial soul and treat people that way and are thus simply inconsistent with their worldview. Some people do not even believe in anything supernatural at all, and, and they wonder whether or not they will be reincarnated, which is a supernatural concept. So sometimes our worldviews are both characterizing small or large communities, and those we hold as individuals are consistent. Now, well, what about the foundation of what you and I live? Well... It is important to note that our own worldview may not be what we think it is. It is rather what we show it to be by our words and by our actions. Our worldview generally lies so deep embedded in our subconsciousness that unless we have reflected long and hard, we're unaware of what it is. And even if we think we know what it is and lay, out the, lay it out clearly in a neat proposition's and in and, and, and clear stories, you know, you and I may be wrong. Our actions may belie our self-knowledge. Because of the book, and this was a very pivotal book in, in worldview studies, The Universe Next Door, that book focuses on the main worldview systems held by a large number of people, and the private element of a worldview analysis will not receive much further commentary. If we want to clarify about our own worldview, however, we must reflect profoundly and consider how we actually behave. Because Jesus said, by their 
you'll see them by their fruits, or you'll know them by their fruits. James tells us, show me your faith by what you do. And Paul, the apostle, coming in from another room, talks about we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the works that he has commanded us or uh, commissioned us to do, I should say. You know, when we look at the worldview, when we look at a worldview and see everything that's out there, folks, there are assumptions, there are commitments, there are assumptions that you and I make. And as we make those, you and I are going to be reflecting our worldview. So what are those basic questions? If a worldview can be expressed in propositions, what might those propositions be? Expressly, they are our basic rock-bottom answers to the following questions. For example, what are those questions? What is prime, rea prime reality? Is it really real? You know, to this we might answer, you know, um, God exists, the, the gods or the material cosmos. Our answer here is the most fundamental. And one of the most fundamental questions is, does God exist? And some people will say yes. Some people will say no. Some people will say, I don't know. But folks, this sets the boundaries for the answers that consistently can be, be given to the remaining questions that we have here. And this will become even more clear as we move from worldview to worldviews and, and when we talk about these things in future shows. The second question is, what is the nature of external reality? Is it the world around us? Is it supernatural? Here are some of the answers that some people might give. You know, uh, the world was uh, created or autonomous. Is it chaotic or orderly as matter or spirit or whether or not we emphasize our subjective personal relationship to the world or objectivity apart from us. There's a third question here. Uh, what is a human being? Folks, there's a lot of this going on as far as answers to this question, as far as whether or not we're moist robots or whether we're created in the image and likeness of God. To this, people might answer that we're a highly complex machine, a sleeping God, a person made in the image of God, or a naked ape, or a spirit in a warm, uh, a warm flesh suit of some kind that's walking around basically by uh, materialistic chance. Another question, last, uh, fourth question here is not the last question, but the fourth question here is what is what happens to a person at death? One of my favorite questions to talk to a person about is if there's a heaven. How, what does it take to get there? You know, that's the question that I think every one of us has to answer. But, you know, what happens to a person at death? We might hear answers like personal extinction or transformation from a higher state or reincarnation or departure to a shadowy existence on the other side. Some people might say heaven or hell. You know, what, what happens to a person at death? You know, worldviews are reflected in those answers. Number five, what is, is, why is it possible to know anything at all? You know, sample answers here that, you know, could be given are that we are made in the image of an all-knowing God or that uh, we're subconscious and that rationally developed under the contingencies of, a survi of survival for a long process of evolution, you know. The question, the the answers to these questions can be 
uh, very, very interesting. But see, every question up to this point, if um, you answer a question a certain way, your, pre your answer must build on the answer to the previous question. So the, the sixth question here is, how do we know what is right and what is wrong? Again, perhaps we are made in the image and likeness of God whose character is good, or right and wrong are determined by human choice alone and or what feels good, or the notions that simply developed under the impetus toward cultural and physical survival. Number seven, what is the meaning of human history? You know, we might hear answers like this, to realize the purposes of God or the gods, or to make a paradise on earth in pursuit of utopia, to prepare a people for a life in community with a loving and holy God, and so on and so forth. There's all kinds of answers there. And then not the last question, what is personal, life-orienting, core commitments are consistent with this worldview. What are the personal life-orienting core, life core commitments? Are they, what are they, are they consistent with um, uh, this whole thing on a worldview? Now, when you go and you think about this, just the, those five questions that I gave you at the very beginning, origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and being. Where do I come from? Why am I here? What is, where is the origin of right and wrong? Where does a person go when they die, and who am I? Those questions, the answers to those questions are to build upon the first. So the question of, where do I come from? The second one is, what is the meaning and purpose of that? What is the origin of right and wrong? What is, uh, where does the person go when they die, and wh who am I? I? If you were to lay all that out, your question, your next, your answer, the answers to your second question must build on the first, the third to the second, the first, and so on and so forth. But see, within any given worldview, core commitments may vary wildly, or widely, I should say. Core commitments may vary widely. For example, the Christian might say to fulfill the will of God and to seek the first, seek first the kingdom of God or to obey God and enjoy Him forever, or be devoted to knowing God or loving God, each will lead to somewhat a different specific grasp of a worldview. Now, a naturalist might say, to realize their personal potential for experiencing life, or to do as much good as they can for others, or to live in a world of inner peace, in a world of social diversity and conflict. Now, the questions and its answers reveal the variety of ways the intellectual commitments are worked out in the individual's lives. They recognize the importance of seeing one's own worldview not only within the context of the vastly different worldviews, but within the community of one's own worldview. You see, each person, in other words, ends up having his or her own take on reality. And though it is extremely useful to identify the nature of a few, say, five to ten generic worldviews. It is necessary in identifying and assessing one's own worldview to pay attention to its unique features, the most important 
of which is one's own answer to this last question of does your answers or do your answers build on the, the each of them as I mentioned to you just to simplify it on the five questions the same thing the same concept do they build do your answers build are your is your worldview consistent I guess you could say because your answers build on the previous question okay that's what we're, we're talking about here so within various basic worldviews other issues often arise for example who is in charge of this world, God or humans or no one at all? Are we as human beings determined or free? Are we alone the maker of values? Is God really good? Is God personal or impersonal? Or does he, she, or it exist at all? When stated in such a sequence, these questions can really boggle the mind. Either the answers are obvious to us, and we wonder why anyone would bother ask us questions, or we wonder how can any of them be answered with any certainty. If we really feel the answers are too obvious to consider, then we, we have a worldview, but we have no idea that many others do not share it. We should realize that we really live in a pluralistic world, and what is obvious to us may be a lie from hell, to our neighbor next door. If we do not recognize that we are certainly naive and provincial and we have a and we have much to learn about living in today's world. Alternatively, if we feel that none of the questions can be answered without cheating or committing intellectual suicide, we really have adopted sort of a worldview. The latter is a form of skepticism, which is its extreme form that leads to nihilism, meaning everything is meaningless. The fact is that you and I cannot avoid assuming some answers to such questions. You and I need to adopt one stance or another, and refusing to adopt an explicit worldview will turn out itself to be a worldview, or at least a philosophical position. In short, you and I are caught. You and I are caught, so as long as we live, you and I will live in either an, an examined life or an unexamined life. And as I mentioned to you last week, as Socrates had gone and said, the unexamined life is a life not worth living. And I'll take it one step further. An unexamined belief is a belief not worth believing. You know, if you're looking for a good opportunity to send your student to a great worldview training conference, Summit Ministries at summit.org will be a great resource for you to look into. My daughter is getting ready to go virtual because of the COVID pandemic. They're doing virtual uh, summits this year. There are also some states that have opened up where they're, they are opening up the student conference. This is not a retreat. This is not a summer camp. This is a student conference that you can send your student from 18 years old to 25 years old to get 
worldview training on the basic issues of our culture today. Look into summit.org and check them out. If you have more questions, you can contact us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. If you have um, any questions pertaining to our show today, we're keeping it to the half hour just as we had gone and shared, but or maybe just a little bit over today. But if you do have any questions, you know, the questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, and being, where do I come from? Why am I here? What is the origin of right and wrong? Where does man go when they, when they leave this life, and who am I? Those are the basic questions. And as I shared with you a little bit more detail in our show today, that each answer to those questions need to build upon another. We've talked about the definition of a worldview and the building blocks of a worldview and what they talk about. The people today believe consciously, subconsciously, or, or uh, purposely or unpurposely, or whatever the case may be, everybody today has a worldview. How is your worldview? You know, you've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast today, and these are the, some of the things that we care about when we talk about things like this. Thank you for listening today. And as you go out this week, my prayer for you is if you end up having a conversation with somebody, listen to what they have to say. Listen for their worldview. Listen to see where they're coming from. Ask them the question, how are you? How are you really doing during this time? And let them just talk. You'll hear their worldview come out. But as you do, as you go out, as I as I would share with you at the real, with the Real Issue podcast, I'm carrying this through even with Let's Get Real. Because, folks, we are about getting real. We need to get real in our culture today. And that's why we've gone and changed the name of our podcast and why we're going in the direction that we're going. So as you go out, go out and give them heaven. And we'll be back with you next week. Lord bless. Mm-hmm.